if you got a cell phone, you can make videos. If you got a cell phone, you can stream. Um, most people have cell phones. If yeah. you don't have a cell phone or don't have a good cell phone for streaming, you probably have a friend who does who would be willing to hang out with you a couple nights a week. Welcome to the Showcast, a show about music, culture, and Memphis. As we live into our mission of building community through music, education, and diversity, we look forward to interviewing artists, musicians, movers, and shakers about how they're writing their own stories and building their own communities. For almost 90 years, the Shell has stood the test of time as a beacon of hope in the heart of Memphis. This podcast is brought to you by Orion Federal Credit Union, where a big part of us is being a big part of the community. Visit orionfcu.com to see how Orion is redefining banking. So Jackie, super excited to be chatting with you uh, for this episode of the Shellcast. And first, I have to say, I truly enjoyed your performance in June at the new Overton Park Shell. I uh, thought it was an awesome, an awesome way to kind of, I guess, pre-kickoff summer. Yeah, I think everybody could would agree. There was a great jolt of energy. And I think everyone just kind of left feeling refreshed and revived. So was that your first time playing in Memphis? That was not my first time playing in Memphis. I have played there for uh at lafayette's music room like two times sick one time self and one time with my drummer rodney the way that you saw me at the shell oh very cool i mean the the food at lafayette's is delicious so it was cool to like just play there and also the room is the stage is nice and they also i think they backlined a drum kit so that was really nice of them Word. so they're being easy so we got dinner and we played so the two times i played at lafayette's was really nice and then the Shell was just like magical because that's a really like, legendary venue. And Memphis is a legendary music town. Like there's legendary music towns in America, like uh, Detroit, yep. and New York City, specifically Harlem um, in Brooklyn. There's just legendary music towns. Right. And Memphis is one of them. And you did some recording in Memphis too, right? With Boo? Yeah. Yeah, I recorded this like uh, limited edition record called The Love Suite Limited Release. I recorded that. At, uh, at Boo's studio. What? Royal Studios. Yeah, there's something magical about, about Royal and Boo. Well, yeah, he's like, he's like Memphis's like <laughs> son, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> he, he, he rolls that town, man. Everybody loves him. Everybody <laughs> knows him. And you know, he's easy to love. He's easy to love. Exactly. It's just, it's just does, magical. And he does a really good job with, with Royal Studios. They do a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to the Boo Mitchell. Right. Nice little plug there. Love yeah, it. absolutely, man. You can't you can't not mention Boo if you're going to talk about Memphis. Come on. Exactly, exactly. And I like uh, the whole family, you know, like Fraser Boy and Boo and just the whole family. Word. No, I love it. I love it. Well, I was excited to to see that tidbit, but wanted to kind of take it back and chat with you. Obviously, now we're we're kind of coming out of out of the pandemic, so to speak, um, and things are kind of seemingly going back to normal. Wondering how the pandemic kind of impacted you, you know, aside from not touring, not being able to have that one-on-one physical kind of contact with your fan base and your community. It seemed like you dove headfirst into just continuing to pull people closer with your live streaming. And I'm just curious, like, how you made that pivot 
seemingly naturally? Well, it the story of that starts about five years before. I did my first live stream in 2014. It was an attempted live stream. The technology had just come out, like it was like maybe six months old. Wow. And so, you know, we hadn't figured out the whole bandwidth thing that you can't live stream on like 128 upload speed. We hadn't figured all that out yet. And also like Facebook was the only thing that streamed unless you wanted to count Skype, but Skype was not like public, you know? Yeah. With Facebook was the first one to be like streaming for just anybody who has an account, you know? Have at it. (laughs) Have at it, exactly. And it was like, I saw immediately as soon as I saw anyone, I saw the news live streaming. And I was like, oh my God, I'm looking at the literal future right now because nobody watches television anymore. You know, just I saw it. As soon as I saw what it was and saw somebody else using it, I was like, this is huge. I'm like, you're telling me I could just pick up my phone and be like, I'm going to the grocery store. There you go. Like, that's huge. The technology wasn't to the point where we could stream the grocery store, <laughs> but it is now. And I knew it would be, you know, like the Internet's only going to get faster. The Internet keeps on only getting faster. Right. It's only going to get more accessible. It keeps on getting more success accessible, I mean. And also cell towers, that technology is just going to keep improving. Everything's always improved my whole life, you know, to the point where when I see a good idea, I can already see its path. So that's what happened when I saw what streaming was in 2014. And I immediately put it into effect with my concert. I tried to. I brought my laptop and I tried to stream from Berlin, Germany, a venue in the basement of a bowling alley. Wow. (laughs) It totally worked for about five minutes and then it froze. And then everybody watching, like people threw parties at home. Like my brother had a whole party at his house to watch this stream. Wow. It just like failed like five minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, but at least you tried. I mean, I, 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 oh, I tried. I immediately saw what was going on. I was like, this is huge. I should try this a few times. I go, I play shows all the time. I'm going to try this. And then I tried it again next year with better equipment. I flew, I, I rented some of, streaming cameras that were designated hotspot streaming cameras, right? Because by a year later, they had already invented that. There you go. So by a year later, the technology already made a huge leap. I brought one of those streaming hotspot cameras to New York City, and I streamed a show that I played in New York, and it actually went really well. From then on, I didn't really stream because they're just it just wasn't happening. You know what I mean? But I knew how to stream, and I... I actually also invested in like a Sling Studio, which is another Uh, like hotspot streaming hub that you can pretty much stream from anywhere as long as you even just have like cell service. It's not great on cell service, but it's possible. That's the point. Right. (laughs) And so I bought one of those because I thought I would use it. And then a year later after that, Facebook really wanted to like push streaming, like encourage people to do it. They were reaching out to artists who had already done it a little bit. And being like, hey, we would like to, you know, give you some ad credits in exchange for streaming once or twice or three times a week, you know, right. one to three times a week for the next six weeks. And I'm like, okay, why not? Yeah. It was December, January, and February that they wanted me to do it. That's when I'm always just home for a break, you know? Yeah. Since winter is terrible, especially climate change winter. It's just well, very dangerous, not ideal to tour. And so the climate change winter is nothing to mess around with seriously 
and uh, like get stuck in a polar vortex with not snow tires in February in Minnesota. So I don't tour in the winter. And so um, that's like the perfect time to ask me to do streams. So I did that and I started this series called Jackie Vincent Live on Thursdays. <laughs> and I did that for about six weeks. And then a few months went by. This was 2019. And um, they asked me to do it again, starting in January of 2020. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I did. And then the series ended on like March 8th. 2020. Wow. Hey, everything is shut down. So I'm just going to keep streaming, even though I'm not getting ad credits anymore. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to, I don't have any gigs and I've already been doing this. And then since like everything leading up to that prior to that had been boosted by ad credits, by the time the lockdown started, my page was like bumping. Wow. Just because of other reasons that had nothing to do with the pandemic. And then Everybody was just home, like right at the end of a series I was essentially paid to do. I did, They didn't pay me in money, but they paid me in followers. Yeah. I mean, essentially, but the ad, the ad credit, I mean, that's... They paid me in exposure, real actual exposure, because these people were also doing the... You remember the digital tip jar days? Yes. In the lockdown? Yeah. I mean, there were... Any musician who streamed in that time period, which is a lot, will tell you that there were some hot nights for those tips, man. You'd be like, dang, my Venmo is dang. That would be good for this week. Damn. I'm streaming wow. in tomorrow and see what happens. The next night's not so great, but it's still like maybe a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, like the, any musician who streamed during that time who had like a reasonable following will tell you the same. People were had nowhere to spend their money. Everything was closed. Right. So it's like lush. That got me through, dude. It's the only reason why I didn't sink that year. From from all my gigs, I lost like tens of thousands of dollars the first month that it all went down. Just like like tens of thousands of dollars of potential income from playing, you know, like three or four weeks of gigs. You know, a lot of work, but still a, a lot of money, especially when it comes to paying bills. For sure. Um, just wiped out like it never existed. Wow. So the streaming, like just knowing, like I was plan, I had plans for that money. I was going to use it to buy... The like lodging and the stuff for tour. So like we get right. paid to play on tour, right? But sometimes we don't get paid beforehand. Like we yeah. have to buy tickets before we get the paycheck. Exactly. Sometimes you get a deposit, right? But sometimes you're doing a ticketed show and it depends on how many people show up and that's just how it is, right? Right. And uh, except for if you're really famous, then they just, you know, rent the venue out to you and it's like way more guaranteed because you have a lot of people who know who you are. But uh, when you're building, you know, when you're a younger band and you're building, Sometimes you don't have a deposit. Sometimes you have a, um, I'm pretty sure it's going to do well, but I have to buy this hotel room. Yeah. You know, so like I had the money planned. I had all the plans of what I was going to do with the money. Also Facebook ads, right? Yeah. So I get a little return on Facebook because people become my fan. They come to my shows. They buy my online merch. But I probably had to spend like, you know, $250 to even reach that person in the first place. So it's like. A lot of the time in this business, you have to put the money out first and then you get the money back later if you know what you're doing. Sometimes you lose your ass. True, but a lot of times that's tough for some artists to be like, to make that type of investment on on the front end, yeah. It can be, and and it's a snowball. So like the one time you find you can make that investment, make sure to make it on something really good. You know what I mean? Don't make it on like a pay-to-play gig just because they're like, oh, this famous person's going to be there. That's not really good. 
Make right. it on maybe like a plane ticket that you're buying to a gig that guarantees 1500 bucks, Makes And sense. you got to deposit. You have to deposit in hand. You know, there's smart ways to get this capital. And then it snowballs. You know, once you get one $1,500 gig, you'll probably get another one. There's probably going to be someone at that gig. And they'll be like, hey, you want to come play my gig? I can pay you $2,000. You know, it, like once the, it's like a gig, gigs lead to gigs. And that goes for bad gigs too. Why well, you should not waste too much of your time on $50 gigs because you play $50 gigs, guess what you're going to get? $50 More gigs. $50 gigs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like once you feel like you've cut your teeth enough and you really got something that's worth paying for, you can't, you have to say no to every gig that undervalues you or else you're going to get stuck in a loop of playing $50 gigs, $150 gigs. Like I'm talking for the whole band. I'm not talking about a man. (laughs) Yeah. There's a gutter where people get manipulated and they never get out of it. And it exists. There's, there's one, I know exactly. It has a physical location in Austin. (laughs) It's gutter. Seriously, carrying a whole wow. strip in Austin that I'll remain unnamed. There's a whole strip in Austin, like a whole literal geographical area where the gigs pay no more than $200 for the whole band. Jeez. And that never changes. No matter what, if you're playing in this physical area, the gig is paying 200 bucks for the whole band. And they probably have to bring their own PA system. And every gig that pays a livable wage or more, nowhere near that area. Ugh. Yeah. Man, you're dropping gems, true gems right now. It's crazy. And every <laughs> town has that place. And I'll true. give you a week. The place is usually the place where the locals never go and where the tourists only go. There you go. And the reason that's why they can get away with it. Because the tourists are trashed. They're there for a corporate weekend and they're letting loose with their coworkers. They don't care that you can play the guitar really well. They just want to go to this famous area so that they can get trashed. There you go. And say they did that after like this wedding, which is the only reason why they're in town or something. Wedding, corporate event, work event, retreat, you name it. And it's the same for every city. And some people get this idea that they see that this is the most famous part of town so that they think that's where they should go. It's like, no, you have to go where the locals go. The locals will give you actual money. The locals want you to succeed. They want a person to be from their town like, oh, you know that person? Well, they're from my town. Locals love that shit. Just like having a home team. There you Just go. Just like home team. You give the people in a city something to believe in, it, whether it's your music or your band or whatever. Dude, it doesn't matter what city it is. You'll come out of there. But you'll never find those people if you only go to where the tourists are. That's real. That's super true. But even for, say, even for those locals... Or even in a, I would say a music ecosystem, sometimes it can be tough to break out of that cycle because even sometimes locals get into that, that same cycle of kind of those areas where tourists are. And Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's about valuing, you know, music and entertain yeah, yourself and music and entertainment as part of the culture in your city um, enough to see it as a, a draw. And really something, like you said, like a home team, something to get behind. And, you know, if, yeah. you su- if you support these individuals who are creating creative capital, yeah. you know, who knows what else can come about to to recharge and continue to pour back into that city. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look what certain individuals have done for Memphis. <laughs> Certain big, huge, legendary, super obvious, like the most famous people have ever existed. 
you know, look at what they've done for Memphis. Memphis has been this like cultural, like everlasting well ever since. And some of these people haven't been around for 50 years, but their mark has been that powerful. True. You know what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. It can be really exciting. And the team can do the same thing. Like, I swear, I swear, like ever since the 90s, Chicago's been the shit. There you go. You know, and, and it's like, why? The Bulls, man. They like reignited that city. Like, I'm not saying that this city was never cool before that. I'm just saying like after the 90s, Chicago's had this new vibe. You know what I mean? Where it's just like comparable to New York City almost. Or in its size and, and the culture and what's available there. Really cool. I don't think that, I don't, I don't know if people thought of it that way before the 90s. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm wrong, but I just like from what I've observed. And because um, ever since I've been alive, Chicago's been amazing. But, you know, some people talk about Chicago before that or in the 70s or in the Capone days. They may have been a little different. <laughs> a little different vibe, you know? But, like, man, the Bulls, though, that whole time period, wow. Wow. That city, like, it's almost like it reawoke the city. It, like, reawoke the heart of the city. You know what I mean? And sports and music have the ability to do that. Want to learn more about how you can support the Overton Park Shell and its mission of building community through music, education, and diversity? Head to OvertonParkShell.org. You can read up on our history, check out our schedule of events, visit our shell shop to grab all the swag, and find out ways that you can participate in our mission, whether that's through donations, volunteering, sponsoring a concert, or becoming a member of the Shell Circle. Once again, that's OvertonParkShell.org. And, and you're right, though. The other side of it is it can be really hard. What if that's the only gig you, you can get? Well, there's only, there's only two things happening, I think, if that's the only gig you can get. If that's the only gig you can get, it's either A, um, you're not ready. Your show isn't ready, really, and like maybe you don't feel comfortable enough to genuinely ask for like 1500 bucks. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe you don't have long enough repertoire. Maybe it's only 30 minutes and then you got to start repeating sh songs. You know, like, you might just not be ready. Like, it's okay to play gigs kind of like low key in the beginning to get your shit together. Or, you know, there's a line. That's okay. <laughs> right. That's why I hate it when people are like, don't accept free gigs. You bring down the value of all of us. <laughs> I'm like, yo, man, you're st there's nuance there, David. <laughs> you're Nuance here, like open mics serve a very important purpose. Some people Agreed. don't have 15 minutes, and it's okay, that's where they are in their path, it's fine. But sometimes they just point blank don't have a gig ready. Like, so there's a line. But once you're ready, uh, then if you know you're ready, then the only other thing that's happening is you haven't uh, see you think it's small, but you need to think big, you think it's small, you need to think big. <laughs> What you got to do is you got to hop on that old old internet and you got to start putting yourself out there. Word. You know, like it, if you got a cell phone, you can make videos. If you got a cell phone, you can stream. Um, most people have cell phones. Yeah. If you don't have a cell phone or don't have a good cell phone for streaming, you probably have a friend who does who would be willing to hang out with you a couple nights a week. You know, just get creative. Everybody's so creative. <laughs> Look, I'm like a machine right now. <laughs> I'm like, no, I mean, but what I'm saying is like, uh, get on the internet. 
Um, my first gigs out of town, my first tours, my first like ideas to expand the whole thing. They all came from like looking on Craigslist for gigs. I got on this this electronic press kit kit site called Sonic Bids. Yeah. I don't really know if it's like as powerful as it used to be, but if it's not, I promise you something else is taking its place. Yeah. Uh, there's there's like so many ways to just get yourself out there. I I landed like a gig in I think it was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and it guaranteed six hundred dollars. Okay. It was like a day festival, like for the city. And so that was one of my earliest gigs. They only wanted me to play for 40 minutes. So even though it was like a, you know, seven hour drive. Yeah. It's still guaranteed enough money to cover it and um, enough money to cover the hotel. And I did it solo. Okay. And it got me out. And it ended up landing me a gig later in uh, New Orleans, which was more for a door deal but i teamed up with another band and we ended up like selling a lot of tickets and it went really well and it was totally worth the drive and i didn't lose a lot of money and this is early on you know awesome and the point is i wasn't paying for 150 bucks in this you know area that nobody ever escapes (laughs) nobody escapes it alive you know what i mean it's like it's like the area where good bands go to die because they don't believe in themselves and so like uh or they don't know how to how to demand, you know, more because they're maybe afraid that there isn't more when, when I'm trying to tell you that there is, and you use the internet to get to that. And so since kind of coming out of the, I guess the, the eye of the storm that is the pandemic, has it been an adjustment kind of getting back into like, okay, we're going full throttle or have you are you, would you say you're at like your peak level of what you would have been pre-COVID? I think that maybe 2020 would have been the way 2021 was. Ugh. Like, I think I lost a year. You know what I mean? Like, I, the, all the stuff that I experienced last year, I would have experienced in 2020. And all the stuff that I experienced this year, I would have experienced in 2021. Had or the pandemic not happened. But also, there's a chance that this alternate reality where the pandemic didn't happen, my team would look different. It wouldn't be the exact agency I have because that agency wouldn't exist. It, uh, it exists because of the pandemic. It was created to survive future pandemics. You know what I mean? Wow. It was created from like just like a bunch of agents that were laid off uh, because of the pandemic. And then also said agents not wanting to ever be laid off again because of any pandemic. So they like, created a whole new vision for an agency. They're like, this is never going to happen to us again. We're going to, this is going to be like the thing that we do and we're going to stick together and we're going to take care of each other. We're just going to be real people that just get money and help each other. There and I'm go. like, that's nice. I, I really like the whole get money and help each other thing. It's really straightforward. And like, I like it. So um, that's where I am right now. But that agency wouldn't exist if the pandemic wouldn't have, you know, crushed everyone down into a diamond. With yeah. all the pressure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. It's like everybody just became a diamond. Yeah. <laughs> all still unhinged. Like, dude, I can't even watch TikTok anymore. It's, so, it's totally, totally insane. Oh, my gosh. It's I, totally I, insane. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I guess this is where mine would have ended up if it, if it would not have ever been, you know, disbanded. Exactly. This is exactly. where it would have been. I guess good to know, but like. 
Damn. It's like it's like Vine and and Triller all in all in and, one. And Snapchat. Exactly. Extremely Snapchatty. <laughs> Sometimes. And like the drama. So weird. I'm like, I thought we were all just making funny videos and shit. <laughs> like that took a turn. That that took a deep turn. <laughs> weird. Like, we we're just dancing to songs. And now it's like season three, the Womblands. <laughs> It's really crazy, dude. It's crazy. Oh my goodness! And no, and I and I have to ask Jackie the robot. Oh, okay. So Jackie how, the robot. How did that come about? Okay, so the first thing that brought it about was I've always wanted to be a DJ. I love DJs. I, I and they look like they're just having so much fun, and and they get to just go into the lab and make mixes and remixes, and then just go out and be like. What, 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 what? <laughs> they get to like be in their own world making music. And then they just get to go out and they don't have to get a band. They don't have to have any of that stuff. They just put it all together as they're creating it. And then they just show it to people and everyone's just like, they're just dancing. They're just, <laughs> he's dancing. And it's just so simple and it's so great. Like it's so like raw and cool and easy, like and efficient. Not easy as in easy to do, easy as in like it's only them. Them yeah. in a table. There's no drum kit. Oh my God. <laughs> There's no like hardly any sound check. Like, all right, give me the kick drop. Boom. 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 Give me the snare. Snare. The snare. Snare. Like none of that, man. They just turn that stuff on and they press play and they juice the outputs and the sound man does this and puts it in the subs and then it's over. It's just like, it just seems like all creativity and all fun and the work is work but it feels like it's fun you're like discovering if girls um just want to have fun sounds good over this biggie small song it's like yeah that takes nuance and that takes like creativity and talent but it's yeah. also just fun to figure it out versus like oh the bass player's late again because they're drunk or like i wrote this new song for the band but the keyboard player doesn't like the bridge so we're gonna have to go back to the drawing board you know, like it's yeah. just like unbridled creativity Why? when it comes to DJs. You know what I mean? Like, I love the idea of it. Also, the the production element of it is really awesome. Just going in the kitchen and just cooking up beats, man. Like, so cool. So anyways, that's the first thing that brought it about. I love right. DJs. I love what they do. And I've always envied them. <laughs> and coming from a person who's been in bands pretty much her whole life. Um. And then the second thing is that I wanted to have a side project. I want to be able to like, just like go do my friend's pool party for like a hundred bucks as a favor. What? I can't really do that as my main project because I have a lot of like actual salaried team members. So whenever I get paid for something, I'm not the only one getting paid. Right. You know, when I get paid for a gig that gets split up and rightfully so these, this team is the reason why I, I accomplished the things that I accomplished. They deserve to get paid. But that, the fact of the matter is it's like really like seven people getting paid, not just one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's really complicated, like business wise, when my friends are like, come play my birthday party at my mom's house. You know, I'm like, <laughs> it's complicated. That's all I have to say. <laughs> like, how about this? Just let me DJ it. <laughs> and uh, that's... Uh, the other reason why I did it, I wanted to have this like, I want to still be able to be in the community, but also have a project that B 
becomes really successful at the same time. I want to be able to do. (laughs) So I have a side project that I that I like to throw around every now and then whenever I'm home and wanting to just be in the community, like nonprofits, local non Austin nonprofits. This is the number one reason I got tired of saying no to them because they didn't have the budget. Felt bad about it, but at the same time, like people got to eat. True. It was, it was like this, like rock and a hard place. So I felt like the side project could, you know, get me out of that rock and hard place situation. That's dope. Yeah, That's it's like a business reason and a creative reason <laughs> combined. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it seems like you still pull in some of your, I guess, main business into your side project. Yeah, I remix my own music. I haven't remixed famous music yet, but I probably will pretty soon. Word. Also, um, I'm kind of pushing in the direction of like uh, hip hop tracks producer. Yeah. To produce tracks for hip hop artists. I would love that. But it doesn't really make sense with the with the like Jackie Vincent project per se. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense because that's kind of like a band, you know, singer songwriter guitar soloing kind of vibe right it makes sense to maybe feature a guitar solo on like a hip-hop artist's track i've done that many times that makes sense for that project but to produce the actual track doesn't make sense for that project for me i'd like to have that be in a separate lane yeah so i would export an opportunity like that i would make it jack of the robot and not jack Benson. and then how did you how, how did you come up with the name I guess the, the robot portion of it. Well, it looks like that's a thing in the hip hop world. Something, the something. I dig it. There's a million something, the, the somethings. I don't know if you put it into a Wu-Tang like generator, like you generated a name. <laughs> you know, like, literally, I think there's like something, the something. There's like four. There's like Chance the Rapper. There's Tyler the Creator. There's Meg the Stallion. Anyway, so uh, it's like a thing in hip hop. So... I just thought I would join in. <laughs> word, word. Yeah, <laughs> something to something. I, I promise you, someone something. is going to take that. Their, their project is going to be called something to something. something. It's going to be a hit. It's going to be a hit. They're and never going to do any one thing. They're going to go from like heavy metal to trap to folk singer songwriter to like in the, the whole broad. It's going to be so insane. It's going to be what the new wave. My dogs are freaking out. Oh, what kind of dogs do you have? Two wiener dogs. <laughs> Mini- love miniature. It. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I have a Frenchie. He does the same oh, thing. Yeah. If I'm doing, if I'm not getting, giving him any attention or focused on something, it's like, cue, shorty must say something. Yeah, indeed. It's like the monotony will always be broken up. <laughs> there you go. There you I go. Could I mean, it's nice because otherwise it's way too quiet with them not around. Word. Well, no, I appreciate you chatting with me and looking forward to seeing you again in Memphis and looking forward to hearing all your new your new music that you continue to create. Oh, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm I'm like kind of cooking up this new EP series. Oh, sick. My dogs are freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> and now I hear sirens. I'm like, what is going on out there? Oh, no. <laughs> Anyways, so uh yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited about this like no EP series on the horizon. And um uh, Yeah. I, I can't really say anything about it yet because it's still developed. 
developing, right. but I have two new albums coming out. So I got I got one coming out at the end of this month, September, and then I have another album coming out in January of, ne- of next year. So oh. the one on September 30th is going to be a live album, and it's going to be Love Trances live in Austin. And then the one in January is going to be called The Evolution of Joy. Love that. Love that. And I mean, I guess you're continuing in your your path of, seems like, endless creation. Because even during the pandemic, I mean, five projects. Yeah, that seems nuts. I still have to do a Vintage Machine live album and then a Vintage Machine Jackie the Robot remix. But that's going to have to be later because I got some other plans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and then I saw you release the the unplug of uh, Vintage yeah, to the Machine. Yeah, yeah, in May. I was, that was, I, was crazy. I was like, man, like, in, like a never ending well of just creativity, which is dope. That's what you got to be in these days, man. The world moves fast. True, true, and I love it in the sense of you kind of peel back the onion in various ways to kind of hear things hear the original from a different perspective or kind of under the hood, see kind of like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't catch that in this yeah, original form. Chord progressions and like the intended melody and all that stuff versus like, what am I hearing the, the chords or am I hearing the production and the arrangement? Right. Sometimes you don't really realize what chords you're hearing because it's like string sounds, synthesizers, you know, like all this stuff going on. So... It's nice to just hear the song like naked. Yeah. That's dope. Well, awesome. Well, that's good. I'm glad you heard that record. I kind of released that on the download. So, yeah, no, Bandcamp. Hell yeah, Bandcamp. You got it. (laughs) They're going to drop wide, though. Like they'll be on Spotify and stuff. Sick. Well, no, looking forward to the new album coming in end of this month and also in January. and yeah, just looking more, looking at, looking forward to more from you. Um, super excited about what's on the horizon. Yep, I'll see y'all in December. I'm gonna be doing a stream marathon every night in December. Good stuff. Yep. Hey. And uh, my dogs are freaking out, so I probably should go see what's going on. Yeah.